Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to acknowledge conventions such as WeedonCon. WeedonCon is a fan-generated charity event for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly, and all Joss Whedon creations. It is scheduled for October of 2020 and is held in Los Angeles, California. Portion of the proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship. See details at WeedonCon.com. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we're welcoming Lainey Labens from I Don't Do Subtle Management. Let's get started. On mic today, we have Lainey Labens. How are you doing this fine afternoon? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. It's a lovely day out there. It's hot here. It's very hot, but inside it feels nice. So, <laughs> And it's only going to get hotter as the weeks go on. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. I haven't spent a summer in Texas in about four years. Yeah, in four years. So <laughs> it's fun coming back home sometimes. Not under yep. the circumstances, but yeah. So true. So you and I have joined the con circuit many times together. Um, you are, to call you a jack of all trades, feels like I'm doing you a disservice. That's so kind of you. (laughs) (laughs) You're kind of an expert on taking care of things behind the scenes. You actually have your own management company. I don't do subtle. So when it comes to take, when it comes to the convention scene, what do you love the most? Oh man. Um, That varies from con to con and moment to moment um, and, and from job to job that I've done. Um, But I think the thing that I, the, um, theme that runs through everything I love about cons would probably have to be a gathering the fact that it's a gathering of people that are all passionate about um you know similar stuff and that people are going to a con um because they want to be there and they're excited to be there and there's something about that energy that just feels you can just feel it when you walk through uh the vendor floor artist alley or the, the walk of fame or you know wherever like you even feel it outside the the events space where people are just so excited to get inside and I love that so much because as uh, growing up as someone who um it took a while before I found people who were into the same stuff as me when I finally did find conventions I was like oh this is the coolest thing like and I even enjoy conventions that are for things that I don't have an interest in because the the passion passion is the same regardless of what the pa- what the passion centers around so for example last year I went to complex con with one of my best friends and complex con is complex magazine um they talk about um what's cool in in streetwear fashion and and um you know like cool shoes and stuff like that that are but they're not my style um and I didn't really know anything about the world um but going to the event was the same feeling the people had the same feeling that you feel when you go to a Comic-Con or something like that. And I loved that. It was awesome. Definitely. I, I can, I'm seeing eye to eye with you on that. In fact, this whole week, I spent a lot of time talking to people on Twitter and whatnot, and they're just saying the same thing over and over again. I'm bummed out. I don't have cons to go to this year. And they don't really, they, they think it's silly to say that. And yet I'm like, but this is such a part of your your tradition now is like this is a party that you have every year that you're not going to this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I not I don't mean to offend anyone when I say this, but I think that 
um, you know, tradition is tradition, right? And conventions are just as important to some people as, you know, a religious ceremony is, or, you know, gathering for, for something like, uh, like that, you know, it's like something, you know, is going to happen, you plan for it, you save for it, or, or, you know, maybe it's a trip to Disney world or whatever it is. It's like, we all kind of worship under different umbrellas of what we worship. And I think that cons definitely fall under that of, I mean, you know, I've met people who literally like, you know, they, they do everything they can to save as much money as they can for an event that happens once a year. And then when that event happens, like they're able to guilt-free, just really enjoy themselves. And I think um, that that's the best. I know for me, I'm a doll collector, obviously. And um, the, the company that I collect, they only do an event every other year. Um, so last year they had one and I saved for a year for that event so that I could spend as much money, you know, as much money as I had saved without any guilt. Like it didn't, wasn't cutting into any bills or it wasn't cutting into anything. I had a specific doll fund and I'd saved for it. And so when it came time to, to buy things at the event, I was like, I'll take one of those and one of those and one of those, you know, I didn't, I got everything that I wanted. I didn't leave feeling like, man, I wish I had just saved a little bit more and bought this thing. I had everything I wanted and it's such a good feeling. And I'm already, you know, ready to start saving for, for their event that hopefully they'll be able to have next year. Definitely can relate. I mean, when I was going to my first few cons and there was a time that I was just doing this one con in Tulsa a year and that was it. And that was my goal. And like you said, you save for a, a solid year. And I had even worked out so that I could have myself checked right out of my job, my day job that Friday, get there just enough time to, there was actually a time I, I ordered cosplay for that convention. It was delayed. Oh. I had to ship my costume to the hotel and grabbed it as I checked in and wore it an hour later. That's yeah. I love when that timing works out. I've, I've had that happen for work purposes where it's been um, a far more stressful uh, situation waiting on product, but I know exactly what you mean where it's like, everything's got to go just right. And it's down to the wire, but um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I started going to cons in Austin, obviously um, actually not really in Austin. I started going to cons in Dallas more so cause, um, there's a, an amazing event that's now owned by fan expo, but, um, before it was owned by fan expo, it was owned by a couple guys. Um, and that's kind of where I started going to comic cons. I had gone to other cons before I, I got my start professionally in anime cons. Um, and I started doing anime cons in probably, um, 2009, I guess. Well, no, no, no. Would have had to have been earlier than that. Cause that's, probably like 2006 mm-hmm. um, was when I started and um, doing um, doing some panels at anime con. So that was like my first taste of um, that kind of con life. I had been doing doll conventions and stuff like that, but I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> this is like, this is a whole nother world. Yeah. I remember you and I had met at one of those Dallas cons and I want to say it was 2009, might've been 10. I think it was I'm trying to think the first time I went to Dallas. I think it was 2010. Yeah, I I think either yeah, I think so. Yeah. Sounds Could've about been. right. And yeah. Uh, and that was the point at which I was just getting into like going to several a year. I was starting to line them up on a schedule and just kind of hit them all. And then you realize, oh my God, they all kind of overlap and they are in the same span of months. So you're traveling all and it it was it's a good time. And when you're into it, it's hard to it's hard to stop. Yeah, it is. I always tell people it's um, kind of like summer camp because you're going and you're with all the same people for X amount of time, especially with what I do with uh, managing talent. And especially when I go to somewhere overseas, 
um, we're all kind of thrown together. And a lot of us, you know, maybe we don't know each other or whatever. By the end of the trip, we're all best friends. <laughs> a lot of people who are not into this will ask me if it's a friendly place because they have you know, the stereotype of you, you get comic book guy there from the Simpsons and he's tossing out insults and like, are the people there nice? And it's like, every time I go, I have dinner with people I didn't know at lunch. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. It's because, again, because it's everyone that's just, at the end of the day, it really is like a very like-minded kind of group. And once everybody kind of gets past, once you, you know, you find the thing that you, your common thread, then it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying before about saving up and you're making it your big trip, you're not going to go through that much effort and money and time to pick a fight with somebody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I've actually, I've explained that to actors in the past who were, who had not done shows before. And like, um, I worked with an actor who, has played a lot of um like he he plays a lot of antagonists and he was like I just don't know like are people just going to come up to me and just you know be mean to me and I was like no reality is even if they hate your character they're going to come up and say I hate your character it's so nice to meet you so no one you know very I've in the nearly 10 years that I've repped talent I've had one or two instances where somebody was um rude and the rest of it has been just really people just very excited um, to meet whoever it was. Um, and I, th- so I think that for me, that's a pretty good indicator just of kind of how the, this, like the scene is overall is like, even if people are going to be jerks online, when you get to the actual event, everybody's so excited to be there. They've forgotten whatever their, um, quarrel was at the time. Yeah. And you get into the zone of where you're just overstimulated with the things you can do and the people you can talk to. It's very easy to brush off any bad experiences. Yes, completely. I agree. So, and this kind of blew my mind, you, you're a doll collector, that didn't blow my mind, I've known that about you, but um, the fact that you do all this amazing stuff behind the scenes, and yet you have a YouTube channel now where you have workout videos with your doll collection, and that to me is hilarious. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I've done one video, I did one video, which was a workout, Um, it's it was all kind of, it's like a long running joke, um, kind of just more with myself. Like my friends are involved, but it's more just been a thing with me that, um, I kind of got into, I hate to say like I got into working out because I don't, it's, I don't know, but I, I have been more in more disciplined and more dedicated to working out over the last probably like five or six years. And, um, I always joked about, um, like the, you know, it was not something that, oh, hold on just a yeah, somebody was trying to call me. Um, it was not um, like I wanted to find a way to incorporate my dolls because I try to incorporate my dolls into every aspect of my life. And so I was like, oh, it would be really funny to do like a doll workout video. And I started my YouTube in 2000. Gosh, I, I just knew this the other day. Now I can't remember. In 2005 or 2006. So I started my YouTube. Um, it's all about dolls. It always has been. Um, and then when my job kind of took over and got really busy, I kind of put my channel aside. Um, and then when, when we all, um, when, when coronavirus hit and I overnight had no work, um, as devastating as that is, um, it does give me, you know, it does, it is allowing me to pursue some stuff that I had not been able to pursue because I'd been working so much. So Mm -hmm. I picked my channel back up and I was trying to think, what would be funny and different and stuff like that, that I could do. And that's when I was like, Oh, I keep joking about doing a doll workout video. Like I'm just going to do it. Um, so I did it. My, my dad and my sister helped me 
Um, and they were both like, please don't make me help you. And I was like, I, I need someone, I need someone to help me with this. Cause like, I'm going to do a plank and I need someone to put a doll on my back and like, and all this. And so, um, both of them got roped into it and, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. And that's kind of always been the thing about my YouTube is that I forget that when you put something like that on the internet, that anybody can go look at it. So mm -hmm. I always feel like my YouTube videos don't, aren't it's just like me talking to myself. They're like, not, um, I watch some YouTube videos and people are so good at making concise points and their stream of consciousness is so makes sense. And mine is just like, I don't think it does. Um, and so anyway, so I made that fitness workout video with my dolls that I thought was hilarious and was like, well, nobody else may think it's funny. But then one of my clients who is a fitness guy, he, we, um, we did a virtual meet and greet with some of, uh, some fans for an event that was canceled and he was telling them all about it. And I was like, Oh God, please stop telling me, <laughs> stop telling these people about that dumb video. <laughs> but that's what stands out. I mean, I, most of my workouts are YouTube assisted. Um, my wife and I have a, a selection of YouTube workout people that we rotate between. And honestly, a lot of the times we come up with funny nicknames because a lot of times you don't know anything about them other than they're doing jump, jumping jacks on your TV. But like, if right. I know that about you, if I like, you're the doll girl, that's going to make me relate to you more. That's going to make you more than just the YouTube person. Well, that was also kind of my thought was that I was somebody who was really intimidated by working out. Um, and one of, one of my clients teaches boxing and he kept trying to get me to come take one of his classes and I told him, I was like, I, I just, I can't do that. Like, I'm not very coordinated and I'll just, you know, I'll just embarrass. I'm not an easily embarrassed person. I'm an adult who carries a doll with me. So I'm like not easily embarrassed, but working out has always been something I've been self-conscious about. And I, um, I, when I started the journey longer than five years ago, but when I, when I first started to try and get healthy, um, I was, I weighed nearly 200 pounds. And so it was like, I had, I had encountered a lot of people shaming me. Um, and it's hard to get off square one when everyone's shaming you. So that was kind of my other thought with the video was like, it's goofy and it's funny, but I, I know what I felt like, you know, when every, when people wouldn't take me seriously that I, you know, was like trying to get in shape or just, you know, trying to get healthy. It really is what it is. And so I thought, well, if I had gone on YouTube and seen someone showing me actual workouts, but through a, like a fun lens, I might have been more excited about it. And it took me, it, the, the, the exercise that I'm pretty religiously dedicated to, I started in 2011. Um, but it took me a long time to, I had to force myself to go for the first couple of years. I hated every second of it. I would get anxiety before the class. And then when it was done, I was like, yes, the longest possible time before I have to go again. And now I am, now I look forward to it. So, um, the, the only, you know, the thing I look forward to most on the planet is doing stuff with my dolls. So I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to incorporate this into something I don't love as much. And so I made that little video and, um, and it, people have been really, really sweet and reached out and said how much they enjoyed it and like just how they felt I was just being like very authentic and I'm, which I appreciate because I think I'm very authentic. So I appreciate You're that. You're nothing if not authentic. Way. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, it's like, and to, to go back to the dolls for a second, I mean, like literally the first time we had a conversation, you're carrying a doll around with you and I, you know, we were at a con, so I just figured maybe you were selling them. That would make sense. So I just I said, hey, what's with the doll? And you said, I'm a doll person. Yeah. And that's as much of a conversation <laughs> as we needed to have about it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, it was just, 
you you made the point. I understood it. And that's when you're not a pretentious person like that. That's all you need. You know, I agree with you completely. And that's kind of how I, I, I it took me a long time to get to that point again, because of, I mean, I was bullied growing up and I encountered a lot of people expecting me to explain why I did something. Um, and then by the time I, I, you know, and then when I found cons and I was like, oh, there's someone in a fursuit, there's someone, you know, um, dressed as like Sailor Moon, like it just, everybody was really doing their own thing. And I admired, I admire that so much in people when they just unabashedly be themselves. And now I just turned 29, um, last week and now I'm to the point where I, um, I'm, I'm very liberated in the fact that like, I don't feel the need to explain myself for my dolls. I have them with me all the time. My dolls have been to 20 countries, you know, they've been all over. Um, and anybody who's going to make fun of that or, um, shit on that is I, I feel sorry for them because I love that most people that are that way don't love anything as much as I love my dolls and a life without passion is just such a boring existence. So mine happens to be passion for dolls, but you know, whatever yours is a passion for. I find it interesting that we're having this conversation while I'm standing next to the Barbie dream house <laughs> where my daughter has her stuff. And I didn't even make that connection till just now, but I, I would say, I don't know much about dolls, but they're right here. Uh, Dolls versus <laughs> sci-fi in general. Dolls versus sci-fi in general. Um, what do you mean? I mean, like, you know, you have passion for this, which I know nothing about. I know sure. you're also into sci-fi comics and stuff, yeah. which I know tons about. Help me fill in the gap there. So um, I am from from the small small child i think my kind of love of things like sci-fi and fantasy and stuff um started you know it's it's always a building thing right i mean one of my earliest memories um from about four years old is is watching the animated the batman the animated series with my mom um i love that show to this day so much and that kind of um started my and, and power rangers that and power rangers i was like mad 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 obsessed with um, and that kind of started my love of those kind of things. And then it just kind of branched out. Um, I was probably, um, gosh, how old was I? I was pretty young when I saw like Blade Runner for the first time. And I was like, oh, I like this. Like, what is this? I've always been kind of, a, uh, you know, I like the idea of like, oh, what if, like, what is the future going to look like? What is that? And so I love things like I loved Logan's run and Soylent Green and Blade Runner, all these like old school sci-fi things and, and um, original Trek. I watched original Star Trek growing up because my mom had liked it. My mom likes it. My mom had watched it as a kid. Um, and even like Gilligan's Island, which is sci-fi in a sense. And so I grew up watching all of those things. Um, and then things like Batman, the, um, Batman Beyond, which is cyberpunk. And that came out when I was in middle school, I guess, like end of elementary school, early middle school. And I was like stoked on that. And so it's all kind of a building. When I was in eighth grade, I got really into vampire erotica. That's when I started reading all of that. Um, and I had always loved vampire stuff. And that's probably kind of my, my main, um, the other thing I'm very, very passionate about next to dolls is, is like, is that kind of fantasy world with vampires and werewolves and stuff. And um, I like things like Underworld, where sci-fi and fantasy meet, and you have vampires fighting werewolves using UV guns, and like all, I don't know, or I guess it would be the werewolves fighting the vampires using the UV guns and stuff like that, and the silver bullets, and like how their futuristic take on it. I love, I love that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, and I'm, 
I will watch anything sci-fi, <laughs> pretty much anything sci-fi or fantasy. Um, I always joke that I don't like teen fiction, um, unless unless there's a magical some sort of magic or sci-fi element and then I'm all about it so like I was never really into Nicholas Sparks wasn't my thing but if one of the characters in a Nicholas Sparks movie might have had like you know like a cybernetic arm I would have been totally into it or if one of them was a vampire sign me up so that's kind of um and then I would say where the dolls fit in with that kind of stuff is that um I write my own stuff uh primarily short stories and not all of my dolls, but um, several of my dolls are um, are characters that I have created in my short stories. And my dolls are my little 3D muses. And I will write a short story and like look at them and think, oh, well, in, if I put you in this situation, what would you what would you do? And so I think it's funny when somebody meets me and doesn't know much about me other than I collect dolls. And they'll be like, oh, like your dolls are so cute. Or they like your children. And I'm like, no, I'm their God and their deity. I have created their universe. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's interesting because uh, you're you're talking about everything that you just mentioned you like is dystopian in some way. Your Blade Runner, your Soylent Green, your Batman, and yep. yet I'm looking. Your dolls are all extremely cute and fluffy and light, and actually it's starting to make sense. Just trying to see, you know, you just have two very vibrant halves of your personality, and you're just having them work together as a team. I think that's, I think you've summed it up better than, than almost anyone else has in my life. I have this very, like, the thing that I love dystopian, I, it is definitely my favorite. Um, but I think the, the thing about all the dystopian things that I love is that in every single one that I love, there's somebody, there's some character in it that has hope for better. And that's something that I, I am, I am definitely consider myself a realist, um, but I am always optimistic that there are better things to come in any situation. Um, and so um, my favorite, my favorite stories are the ones where all hope looks lost except through, you know, impossible odds. Um, the hope is found. Right. So, yeah. So I think that's where my, my two halves of my personality merge. <laughs> I could see that. I could definitely see that. So you're looking to maybe, and I'm just going to, play with possibilities here as so you said we're just talking about what the future could hold could you want to take your writing somewhere where it takes a more concrete form into a novel a movie comic series uh yes that is actually in that's exactly what i want to do that's what i hope my next phase of life is um i'm working on a few things right now um hoping that one of them will will catch um i started um I went to college at Texas State. I don't know if being from Oklahoma, if you're familiar with it at all, but it's mm -hmm. college I, I here. I've heard Texas, keep that in mind. Okay, okay. So, you know, yeah. So Texas State, I went to Texas State and uh, I didn't uh, love it. I didn't love college in general, um, but I took a screenwriting class. Um, I probably when I had, a, I think I had like three semesters left and they, they introduced a screenwriting course and I was so excited and I took it and I really loved it. Um, and I, we had to do for our final project, we had to write 30 pages of a screenplay, an original screenplay. Um, and so I wrote this story um, and I was like, oh, you know, and we had had to outline it first. And my problem up until that point with writing had always been that I could start something or I could have an ending to something, but I had problems. I had problems having a full story. And because I had to outline, because I had to outline that, I was like, oh, I know where this story is going. Um, so I put it down for a while, finished school, stuff like that. And then I picked it back up. Um, and then I decided I was like, oh, well, you know, this would make a really 
well, at least I think <laughs> I was like, this will make a good novel. I'm going to, I'm going to take what I've turned the screenplay into, or I'm going to take the screenplay and just kind of novelize it. Um, so I was working on that for a while. I, I, I seriously, and I mean this, I, it's hard to believe, but I mean this, I worked on, I've worked on it in 15 countries. Like I took time to write in 15 different countries when I felt inspired. Um, and then I got super busy the last couple of years um, and hadn't written on it as much. I ended up scrapping 90% of it, like story, no, but like actual text, yes. And I was like, oh God, why am I trying this? Like, this is not working. And then um, the last few months before even, um, before quarantine, I kind of like, I don't know, I felt good about it again, wrote a whole bunch and then quarantine hit and I've been working on it really consistently um, the whole time. And um, so I would, it's a novel, it's um, fantasy. Um, and so I'm really hoping that um, once I finish it, that I can get somebody to look at it because that's, that's what, what I want my next phase to be. Cons are amazing and I love it. And obviously my, you know, provided they come back, um, I would love to keep doing them, but, um, writing is my passion writing something I've always enjoyed. So I'm really hoping to pursue that. And, um, now I know so many people, I know so many writers now. And when I, when I started writing, uh, 14 I didn't know any other writers I was just like a kid you know like that didn't have a lot of friends that just kind of had to create her own and that's kind of how that all started I guess I was even younger than 14 really but uh, but now I'm like an adult and when I tell someone oh I like to write or like I write they take me seriously uh, and that's always a surprise <laughs> to me so so yes that's what I hope um, I have a friend who is a an animation writer and he um, has advised me to put together a couple spec scripts for animation. Um, so that's, that's something I'm working on also. So we'll see. <laughs> really, really glad you're, you have that kind of drive on that because I could definitely see that being fun. I've not read any of your stuff, but would like to. Well, I, I have short stories on my website, which I will, I'll send you the link. Um, they're, they're all intertwined. They're all about the same characters pretty much. It just kind of like, um, there's a couple, there's a couple I'm more proud of than others. I'll recommend those to you so you can get uh, a taste of what I think is my best work <laughs> that I that I've put out there. Everything that you send me, I'll make sure it goes on the show notes so people can check out your work, follow along. And I'm known for finding stuff that I can reread and then have you back on the show. So that's might be something that we end up doing. I would love that. I love to, to I, I mean, I love to talk about it. I love to talk about uh, writing and I love to talk about my characters and, and everything like that. So, you know, what's really funny though, really quickly before I forget, I wanted to tell you, I wanted to say, cause you're a big Star Trek person, this right? This is correct. Okay. Um, okay. Right. So my best friend is a huge Star Trek fan. And I was telling him I was coming on your show today and he said, oh, well, if he ever wants to talk Star Trek, I would love to go on his show and talk about Star Trek. So I said, I will, I will talk to him about that. So here I am I, talking to you about it. I don't even know who this person is, but based on your recommendation alone, let them know I'm interested. I'll have them on okay. right away. Okay, great. He had a lot to, he had a lot of feelings about the most recent incarnations that he shared with me and they meant nothing to me because I have not watched them and I had no input. So I know he wouldn't tell me he was disappointed that I couldn't have discourse with him, but I know it had to smite a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, we had actually a three-part chat with Madison Spencer Engel, who among other things was a costumer on Voyager. Cool. 
and she was like, we, we, we dissected the entire Picard and part of Discovery. So it'll fit nicely with that. And I'm sure that person will want to see those episodes too. Yes, I'm sure he will. He's, um, he's an agent um, at a, at a, a pretty decent sized agency. And so he's like very professional guy, but I know him as like goofy best friend guy. So it's always funny to me uh, when he like, you know, gets nerdy about stuff all of a sudden I'm like oh yeah that's right <laughs> like you're a fun nerd guy I forget you know when you're being I see you being work guy and I forget that you love things too so I think that uh he would really enjoy that <laughs> and one of the things we covered was and this is not about the track this is about fandom if you don't like something that's cool you're entitled yeah just don't yeah. be an ass right yeah I have a very strict policy of um not um I'll have a conversation with someone if they want to have a conversation about something I don't like, if they want to have a conversation about it, but I don't broadcast that. I don't, I don't put it on social media and stuff like that because um, just from being, from working the little bit that I have in the industry and I know how hard people work on stuff. Um, and I know, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff that happens um, in different, you know, different places. So I try never to, um, to, to, to openly shit on something but if I'm having a conversation with someone I'm gonna be honest and I've been honest to creators to their face like you know I see where you're going with this but I don't your execution was not great (laughs) so I'll be honest but yeah um but it's it's like a very I feel like it's a fine line because again I agree with you like if you don't like something that's fine but there's no need to be an asshole about it yeah, and, and I, I'm in the same boat you are is that I will often have to talk face-to-face with people who made, in some capacity, something I didn't care for. And it's yeah. like, I don't I don't want to put it down because I know you worked hard on it. And you just because I didn't care for it didn't mean it wasn't good. Right. I'm not the end-all, be-all decider of these things. So yeah. let me just There's... talk. To, I want to no, know why you liked it. Right. Yeah. There's a couple things that I I very 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 much dislike that are hugely hugely popular. I am very much in the minority, and so I'm like, you know, does I'm so happy for you that it was successful. That's amazing. That's great. I will not be tuning in, but I wish you all the success in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's okay because I think most people who have a lick of sense will know you're not going to make everybody happy. And if just people don't no- make happy, just go about their business. That's, that's okay. Yeah. There's just, there's just no way. And I also am a big believer in, I don't like, I don't hold grudges and I don't, I try never to harbor hate because it's just such a waste of space in your life. And I feel that way about media. I don't enjoy, like if I watch an episode of something and can tell from the first episode, it's not my thing. Then I just walk away. I don't dwell on the fact that now that isn't, with that said there have been things that I've been so disappointed by because I wanted to like them and just couldn't and then I have a tough time getting over that but most of the time I just am able to just walk away and be like I hope it's successful it's not for me well you know I'll I'll give a great example here the show Supergirl I am a huge Supergirl fan from the comics love that character love almost every incarnation of that character the show came out and the first episode was like it's taken a while to connect with me yeah. And I thought, you know what? Maybe it's not the right time for me. Maybe I should let them go through a few seasons and then come back to it later and see how the bulk of it is rather than try to judge it from this episode I'm watching right now. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do. Doesn't mean it's a bad show. Doesn't mean it's a good show. It just means that's how I'm going to take care of it. Yeah, I get it completely. I, I, 
I am not, I'm a, I will enjoy anything to do with vampires. I love it all. Um, but there are some things that just didn't quite grab me like other things. And uh, I also, I think in our current climate in how we watch TV, I would rather things get a little further in before I start them too, just because the worst is something that I loved that I watched recently was a discovery of witches um it's on it's on shutter or amc has it i think also um and i somehow thought there were 10 episodes in the first season and there were only eight so when it ended i had a meltdown <laughs> i was like what do you mean you're gonna end it like that what are you doing to me and i was like googling frantically to make sure they got picked up for another season and it was like like I wish I would have waited there. They did get picked up for season two and three and part of me, and that covers all the books that are written. And part of me wishes I would have just waited instead of watching the first season and just feeling just like, ah, I want more right now. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. And that's, it's something that I think that we're starting to get a little bit more now and that we have different distribution methods and people don't have to watch things. And I think the, the binge watching culture, although I'm not a, part of that definitely nope. benefits from that you know i i like to spread out like one episode a week one episode every three or four nights something like that oh good for you i am like an obsessive binger but i but i have been for a very long time before i was that way before netflix even as in a like or streaming services because my mom is a obsessive dvd buyer and so <laughs> she would the minute something came out on dvd like shows came out on dvd she would buy them on dvd and then i would even if it's series that i've seen before like the animated series i then i would sit there and just like gorge myself on it just watch an entire season in a day i i i'm pretty sure i invented binge watching i just didn't know that's what it was called (laughs) well i i i like to kind of mull over an episode for a couple of hours even a couple of days come back to it because i find when i do try to binge watch i have so much content at once it's like i'm not thinking of the possibilities i'm not thinking of what's going to happen why would this happen what the alternatives to that happening i i need a couple hours or at least a couple days in between i think that's good i i will say there was a show i binged um i had a 10-hour car ride and i watched a season of a show the whole time it was 10 episodes it was you know 45 minutes to an hour basically and I hated it hated the show and I think that if I would have watched it week to week I wouldn't have noticed the continuity errors the way I did watching it back to back um and I because when I talk to people who are like I can't believe you you didn't like it what didn't you like and I pointed out the continuity errors they're like oh yeah I didn't notice that and, I'm, and then I had to think about it and I was like well yeah if you watched it week to week they were probably subtle enough to where maybe they weren't a big deal, but I was watching it all at once. And so to me, I was just like, well, that doesn't make sense because that person did that in the last episode. You can't do that if you're doing that. So I, I ruined it for myself by binging it. <laughs> I could see that. So I like your method. I need to try and apply that. I'm, I'm doing a rewatch of X-Files right now, actually. Um, this will be, this will be the, the third time I think I've gone all the way through the series. So I'm going to confess, um, I was a huge X-Files fan when it first came out. I actually dropped off at about two-thirds of the way through the show and never tried again. So I'm due to try that all over from start to finish. I would recommend it. It holds up so well. The last time I binged it was probably two years ago. Um, The first time I watched it, I watched it in real time. It started when I was in 
cute. God, how old was I? It was very little. Um, just like Buffy. Like I watched Buffy in real time and Buffy started um the fall of 96, which is when I started kindergarten. So I watched it. Obviously, like we didn't have rules at my house. There was no like, oh, this is an adult show. You can't watch this. My parents were like, watch whatever you want. Um and I turned out fine. So obviously it's okay. Um, but um, yeah, so I watched Buffy in real time and then I got the DVDs. I got all the seasons on DVD as a, in like a freshman high school, like my mom is a present giver. So like I, my first day of freshman year of high school, I came home and the DVDs were on my, the box that was on my bed. So I rewatched it then. And then I rewatched it in college and then I rewatched it after college. So I rewatched it a few times and, and X-Files and, and Buffy's great. Obviously I love Buffy, but X-Files, I noticed really, I was shocked at how well it held up. I, I was thinking X-Files might not hold up as well just because technology is so different, but it's kind of incredible. So I definitely recommend giving it a shot. I will definitely do that. Okay. Well, Lainey, why don't I let you go while we're ahead here? I've got a hard deadline up. I got to meet. So uh, where can somebody follow your misadventures on the internet and your writing? Um, my social media is all my first and last name. I made it, I, I made it that way so people could find me. Um, my YouTube is, there's a link to my YouTube, um, probably on my Instagram for sure. And then there's a link to my writing. My website is lanielabens.com and the, the short stories are all under blog. So thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I really thank enjoyed it. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you had fun. I had a blast too. And I'd like to have you back again sometime soon. I would love to come back anytime. Anytime. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Right. I would like to thank Lainey for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community-building part of the show today, I'm going to make a suggestion for the people who like to listen to podcasts at work. I know a lot of us tend to use them to pass time at the office, and if that's the case, why don't you go ahead and use that to your advantage? Try sending a link to people through your office email system if this is the kind of thing that won't get you in trouble at work. Send them a link to the podcast and suggest they listen to it at the office. Don't forget, our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, as well as YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.